HSI. Evening all. Good evening, thank you for that. It's good to be back. Good to be back in the swing of things after a lengthy time off, honestly. Um, right, we, we, as uh, Si mentioned, uh, we are doing a series on the book of James and Seamless Link. My name happens to be James and uh, very clever. Um, <laughs> and James, do you know, it, it, it's an interesting book and this is a really interesting uh, passage, isn't it? And it, it raises some interesting questions such as, what is faith? What does genuine faith look like? And the great thing about this book, actually, is it shows us what faith looks like in action. We get a glimpse at what, of what tangible faith is like. It also raises other interesting questions, doesn't it? Such as, does James contradict the Apostle Paul? Is James a Protestant? Does he believe in that, we're, that we are saved by faith alone, like in the Reformation. Did you know that Martin Luther, once uh, in a commentary on James, uh, referred to uh, the, the, the epistle of James, in other words, this letter, as a gospel of straw? He retracted that later on. But it's interesting. So in some ways, it's a bit of a, a provocative book. It's a bit of a controversial book, and uh, namely this, this chapter as well. So let's, let's delve in to this chapter. Let's delve in and look at what is, what is faith. And then we'll come back to that thing of, is James really a Protestant? Is he really Reformed? Okay? Those who are theologically inclined will kind of get that. Um, okay. Now, interestingly enough, in, our, um, in this book, James uses four illustrations of what faith looks like. Kind of genuine faith and also bogus faith as well and the first illustration is about the poorly clad hungry uh, Christian brother or sister and he says uh, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food if one of you says to them go in peace keep warm and well fed but does nothing about their physical needs what good is it now Imagine Joel, who was just up here. If he was uh, poorly clad, holes in his clothes, I'm sure Emily won't let him go out like that, but if he dresses himself, he might look like that. Uh, Now, if he goes out like that and uh, I bump into Joel and say, Joel, how's it going, mate? And uh, he's like, well, actually, Jim, me and Emily have fallen on quite hard times and uh, actually we're we're, we're really hungry. And uh, my response is, okay, Joe, that's, that's great, mate. Um, I'll, um, I'll pray for you uh, when I get home later. I'll keep you in my prayers. Keep warm, keep well fed, and uh, I'll see you at church on Sunday. Now, there's something not quite right about my faith if that's my response to a Christian brother or sister. In actual fact, that's a real cop-out, isn't it? And that's the kind of faith that James says is dead. There's absolutely no life there. You know, if I say I believe in God, but there's no action to attest to that, there's no action to back that up, that's not genuine faith. That's not faith at all. So what what does this teach us about faith? Do you know, genuine faith produces good works, good deeds. It should make a difference. 
you know, it should change those it encounters. It should impact people positively for God. The kind of faith James talks about in these couple of verses here is a a false faith that doesn't make a difference to those around. We need to avoid our faith being like that. We need to be genuine in our faith. The second illustration is about the believing demons. But some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Even demonic spirits have a kind of faith, don't they? They know God's real. They're absolutely terrified by the name, the presence of Jesus. They have a faith, but are they saved? They believe. That's the right answer to those who said no. Um, No, they don't. And James' response is that actually faith without deeds is useless. It's barren. Bogus faith doesn't produce life. That kind of knowledge of, yes, there is a God, but living as enemies almost is, is not the kind of faith that we're, that we're to have in Christ that will save us. James moves on to some more positive examples of faith. There's Abraham, the friend of God. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. In contrast to those previous examples, Abraham is a glowing example of what genuine faith is. How do we know that Abraham had genuine faith? He did something about his faith. He acted upon it. The type of faith Abraham demonstrated resulted in obedience to God. It resulted in action. That was my phone. Apologies. In other words, the type of faith Abraham had was putting his money where his mouth was. He believed God to the point where he was willing to offer up his son, his promised son, his promised heir, who a, nation's, uh, who a nation would be born out of, Abraham was willing to offer up. I don't think he was sadistic. In the book of Hebrews, it kind of says that, uh, what it says that he, uh, he figured that God could bring Isaac back from the dead. That was the extent of his faith and his trust in God at that point. What does this teach us about faith? Genuine faith is directed towards God and results in our obedience to him. Being obedient to God is evidence that there's faith there. What does it say? It goes on to say, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In other words, their acts, what they do, will testify to that faith. It goes on to say, by, and not by faith alone. We're going to come back to that 
in a bit. And finally, the final example is Rahab, the prostitute, who welcomes uh, the, uh, Joshua's spies who've been sent into Jericho to uh, check out the land to take the city. And uh, it was risky business because uh, they were wanted dead by the king of Jericho because they knew that the Israelites were going to come and take their city and that God was with them. And it says this, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Rahab, as a result of her faith, in this God of Israel, who she didn't know a great deal about. She just knew that he led these people out of Egypt, that he dried up the Red Sea before them, and in all probability, they were going to possess the land she lived in. But she had faith enough to save the lives of these two spies by hiding them from those who were looking for them in the city. She risked a great deal Her faith caused her to even put her own life on the line. Imagine if the spies were found in her house. What would have happened to her? What does that teach us about faith? Faith also is people-focused as well. And it causes us to take risks. Genuine faith reaches out in costly compassion to people at risk. Unlike the first example of the Christian brother who's without, of Joel, hungry, half naked. Rather, genuine faith sees need. It responds to it, even at personal cost and risk in obedience to God. Genuine faith will take risks for God in many ways. Faith itself is, is a living entity. Godly works reveal reveal if our faith is alive or not. It goes on to say, verse 26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So when assessing genuine faith, we look for the fruit. What's the fruit in this person's life? Can we see, can we see the life of Jesus in this person? Because there's something about meeting with Jesus Encountering him that leaves us changed. It's not that we we do things to be saved, we do good works, but there's something about meeting with Jesus, having a connection with God that instantly starts to change us, starts to change how we respond to people, principally how we respond to God. And it and we're not the same, we're transformed. So are we are we saved? by faith alone as the reformation was so hot on or is it a combination of faith and works is that right does James contradict the apostle Paul is the apostle Paul wrong when he says we are saved by faith alone what do you reckon some nodding heads well of course we are we're safe by faith alone it's by faith alone however it needs to be genuine faith and that faith needs to be attested by the kind of fruit that's, that is seen in someone's life one of the theologians the reformation John Calvin said faith alone justifies but the faith which justifies 
is not alone. So the evidence of whether you have a genuine relationship with Jesus, if you genuinely believe in him, is that he'll work that change in your life. That would just be the overflow. It would just be a consequence of meeting with the living God. You don't need to strive to be accepted by God, to be saved by Jesus. You don't need to try and live a perfect life. You've just got to give your life to him. You've just got to surrender to him. You've got to believe in him. You've got to trust in his work on the cross. You've got to put your hand in his hand. And then he'll change you. Then that fruit would be evident. How can we have real faith? As I say, it's through believing in Jesus. Believing in what he's done. And there are different types of faith as well, isn't there? There's the the saving faith. The kind of faith that enables us to have a relationship with God that brings us salvation. And as we go on in our faith, that faith grows and it's developed and we begin to trust God in many areas of our lives, not just for our salvation, but we begin to trust God for our finances, our security, our families, the things we do for him, situations we find ourselves in. We begin to trust in God for those. That actually our faith, it's a living thing. It should be growing in a sort of time. Sometimes we mistake other things for God. And uh, if we watch a lot of Christian TV as well, we can mistake a lot of things for faith that, aren't faith, that isn't faith. Sometimes we think faith is a feeling. Don't we? Do you know, if I feel that God is really going to do something... Or if I feel that God is really going to heal someone, if I feel that God is going to come free for me, then that's genuine faith. Do you know what? Sometimes when I pray for people and they get healed, there's no feeling. I feel nothing. Do you know, sometimes I'm in the dark about what particular situations. I kind of wonder, God, where are you? But I trust in you in this situation. I know you'll get me through. But I don't feel like it's all going to be amazing. Do you know, sometimes there is real feeling. Sometimes there's a real confidence that comes when we have faith, particularly with the gift of faith, which is a spiritual gift, where God will give a particular faith for something at a particular time. And it's just, it's just typified by a real confidence that the Lord will do that. But faith isn't always a feeling. It's about trust. It's not. Faith isn't as well the power of positive mental thought. If I just think, God is going to heal you, and nothing else. I can't let any other thought enter into my mind other than God is healing you. And in my mind, I'm constantly saying, God is going to heal you, Alison. God is going to heal you. God is going to heal you. And no, negative thoughts. Go, go, go away. Do you know that kind of internal dialogue? That is not faith as well. Do you know, faith, as I say, it's about trusting in God. Let me just use an example. And I'm really not chauvinistic and sexist in saying this, but it was all I could think of. Do you know, my wife is really good to me. And uh, as you can see, she doesn't let me go hungry. And uh, she's really kind, and she, she provides lunch for me. So when I go home, and uh, I can just trust that when I get home, there will be something for me to eat. It's probably more because she knows I do a lot of damage in the kitchen to myself if I was that free and anyone else who would eat the food. But um, I don't need to think positive thoughts on my way home that... I just know, I just know that Catcher has put a meal on the table for me. I just know it's there. I just know it's there. Maybe it's 
Maybe she hasn't. And then sort of battling with that internal dialogue. I just know what she's like. I just know that she cares for me. I know that she looks after me because I need a lot of looking after at times. And it's, it, it's like that with the Lord. Actually, when we get to know him, his ways, what he's like, what he says he, he would do in his book, actually we learn to trust in that, that actually God will come through in this situation. You know, God promises to be faithful. He promises that through all things, he'll work for the good of those who love him. Yep. So it's not about kind of trying to whip yourself up into a state of uh, feeling it or thinking it. It's not even about formulas as well. Sometimes we think if we pray a certain way, if we do certain things, if we give this tele-evangelist a thousand pounds, we would have a lifelong blessing upon us. That's the... um, I can't remember the name of that particular seed, but I've never sown into it, hence why I don't have a sports car. Um, But faith isn't a formula, and sometimes faith can be misdirected. There can be faith in faith. When we put our faith in formulas and not in the nature of God and what he's like and his goodness, that's faith in faith and not faith in God. So remember, the faith that we're to have, it's a relational connection with God that transforms us. Sai, a few weeks ago, talked about John 15, the vine. As, as, as uh, f- you know, vines just become fruitful, don't they? They just do. They just produce fruit. As we are connected to Jesus, we produce fruit. We're transformed. And our faith is like that. Out of our trust, out of our obedience, out of that relational connection, there is the fruit of a transformed life. We become fruitful and productive in God. Actually, you'll find that actually he, he will use you a lot more as you are close to him, as you walk with him, as you trust in him. Faith is said to be a gift as well. It's not something we whip up. It's not something we earn. As faith matures, it produces good fruit. It produces the life of Christ in us. We become more like Jesus. Going back to that passage, James talked about Abraham saying, uh, you see that his faith and his actions uh, were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. In other words, that word in the Greek, complete, meaning telos, just means mature, grown up. Mature, grown up faith will produce good works in our lives. We can't help but reach out in compassion. We can't help but be genuinely concerned by someone made in the image of God because we love the Lord and we love his people. We love the lost. So we're moved by a homeless guy on the street and want to purchase a sandwich when our Christian brothers and sisters are in need we want to help them, we want to give whatever is in our means to do so within that, we want to give our time you know, we want to give our talents as well faith mature faith grown up faith would just produce those kind of works There's not a couch potato kind of faith which results in, that results in nothing. And the works as well that we will produce, I believe that those would be very, very natural things, such as the sandwich, such as helping out those who are in need, such as serving in church 
with the different gifts and talents God gives us, gifts of administration, uh, serving teas and coffees, whatever it is, but also as well, the more supernatural works as well. Do you know, as our faith matures, and we just have more faith and trust in God that he'll come through and do those kind of things, whether that's giving prophetic words to folk, whether that's uh, praying for healing, whatever that may, might be. And something we learn from Abraham and Rahab is the element of risk in their faith. John Wimber, founder of the Vineyard Movement, used to say that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Risk. Genuine faith will take risks for God. It's like that with our finances, actually. If we put, if we follow, if we follow Proverbs 3, honouring the Lord with what we have, with our first fruits, and believing that actually He'll bless us, that He'll take care of our finances, often that, that, that's an element of faith there, isn't it? We, we risk it in the world's eyes. Why would you give away 10% of your income? particularly if it's tight. But actually, as the people of God, you think, no, God promises to bless us. And that's the testimony of so many, that as we step out and we honour God with our finance, he blesses. Sometimes money just comes in when we need it from unexpected places. You know, I know that as someone who's at times been on a very low salary in the service of the Lord, and, and yet, actually, he's really blessed me at times. Uh, stuff has just come just as I've needed. It could only really be God he's good there's an element of risk when we pray for someone to be healed we may risk fear falling flat on our face that nothing may happen there's an element of risk in giving a prophetic word could this just be me this impression could this be or could this actually be the Lord do you see what I mean when we step out in faith there's an element of risk in the world's eye but actually, I think, in God's eyes, it's not so much of a risk. Hebrews says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. In other words, we trust, actually, God will come through. That even if I get this wrong, God will use it. Or even if I step out and if I don't see someone here, God can still use that. I love this story by uh, a chap called Robbie Dawkins who is a real risk taker for the Lord and uh, really used in healing and uh, longs to see someone raised from the dead and uh, has, has yet to see that but takes risk and he was in Puerto Rico one time doing some training for uh, church leaders and uh, it just so happened that he was out and about with the pastor of that church in a park and someone had just died conveniently uh, in, in this park and uh, he was uh, with the pastor who was a bit kind of nervous about some of this kind of healing stuff and you know would never sort of go and offer to pray for someone to be resurrected and uh, Robbie Dawkins goes kind of over to the paramedics and uh, doesn't speak Spanish so through this pastor asks he if uh, they can pray for this uh, guy um, who's, who's just died I'm not sure what it was of but uh, there was people gathering around at this point and um, <coughs> Paramedics initially say no. This rich businessman kind of turns up who knows the pastor and asks, what's going on here? What does this guy want? And he says, well, he wants to pray for him to be alive. And this rich businessman, he knows the paramedics kind of bosses and things. And he knows a lot of important people in the city. He says, you've got to let that man pray for him. Okay. 
or if you don't, you'll lose your jobs. So he gets to he gets to pray for this dead guy in the middle of this park, and he starts praying some of his best prayers, like resurrection power. Only as like a, a big American who looks like a wrestler really could, okay. And uh, lots of people start to gather around. And this goes on for a while. And, uh, you know, nothing seemingly happens with the guy who's dead. But yet he's going for it and he's praying his best prayers. And uh, he just begins to notice that those who gathered around are crying. And his initial thought is, well, maybe they know this guy. Maybe they're grieving for him. And they started to speak amongst themselves to the crowd. And the pastor translates what they're saying. And they're saying, See how much this man believes this God in this Jesus. And off the back of that, the guy wasn't raised from the dead. But off the back of that, some of those guys came to church where he was speaking that Sunday. And I think about seven or so gave their lives to the Lord. Faith is spelt risk. Robbie took a risk at that time. In the world's eyes, it's a huge risk of falling flat on your face. He took a risk. He didn't, he didn't necessarily see what he aimed for, but yet the Lord used it. See, I think even when we step out and we don't always see what we want to see from the Lord, he still uses it, doesn't he? He honours it. In one sense, it's not a risk. The Lord will honour that in some way, in some respect. You know, God is faithful, and I haven't found him lacking yet. But often as well, there are, you know, often I actually do believe that as we take those risks, God does come through, the bigger the risk as well. So we trust in God to move, we trust in him to show up. And it's not about us, it's not about our own holiness, it's not about our own good works, it's about his goodness, who he is, who he says he is. So finally, how can, how can I grow in faith? Do you know, faith is like a muscle. You've got to use it. This is a picture of me um, shredded. And uh, do you know, what, what I found out about lifting weight is that um, you've got to eat the right things. You've got to eat good nutrition, haven't you? And it's not just good enough just to eat and not exercise because the excessive calories kind of accumulate somewhere else. Uh, but if you eat well, and if you exercise, and if you, you know, always work your muscles harder, they will get bigger, and they will get stronger. And in a way, our faith has some similarities with that. I think it's very important what we feed ourselves, the growing faith. And I believe our primary food, actually, is, is the Word of God. That uh, as we get to know God, as we get to know His ways in this book... That helps us to build faith as well. It helps us to grow. It's like the right spiritual nutrition, sermons, testimonies about God moving in and through people, I find really spurs me on, really excites me. But then, to, for our faith to really grow, actually we've got to exercise it. We've got to do our spiritual weight training. We've got to step out and take those risks. Do you know, more often than not, when people are growing spiritually, it's because they're not just being fed in the pews. They're actually stepping out and using what they've learned, what they've got. And then they're, they're growing in their spiritual stature. They're on their way to becoming right little spiritual Arnold Schwarzeneggers.
Okay. My encouragement to you, to all of us, actually, is to keep, is to keep exercising our faith. Let's take risks for God. Let's allow God to put us out of our comfort zones. Let's even pray those prayers like, God, use me. If you want to grow in healing, pray for opportunities. But then when you see them, step out in them. You want to grow in faith and trust in God? Are you tithing? Are you sharing with the, your resources with the Lord? Are you giving them to him? If you want to grow in faith, if you see a need in the church and you're able to meet that need, to do something about it, well, maybe, maybe you can serve the Lord in that way. Share your faith. If you're stagnating in your walk with the Lord in your faith, are you exercising your faith? That's my challenge. And do you know, we're quite fortunate that in this church there are many opportunities to use our faith. And I just want us to watch a little video to finish off. This is the story of a little village on the edge of a big city where every week a handful of people go to church. They sing some hymns and say some prayers. Then they go home again and it makes absolutely no difference at all. The end. No, it isn't. 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 It's actually the story of a crowd of everyday people who want their lives to make a difference. They're part of a church with a fine tradition of serving the local community. Their good work has grown beyond all expectation. And now they face a massive challenge, a unique opportunity that has the potential to make so much difference that they simply cannot keep it to themselves. It's about lives making a difference. It's about restoring relationships. It's about rebuilding community. And it's about individual lives discovering the difference that we could make. We're inviting everyone to find out a little more about these audacious plans to make such a difference in this community, across this region and beyond. Faith without works is dead. But genuine faith in Jesus will produce good work. It will change other lives. It will change individuals. It will change communities. And it will change nations. But our faith needs to be exercised as well for it to grow, for it to have maximum impact as well. We're going to move into a time of ministry shortly and uh, there are going to be some different responses tonight and all of you should have had one of these forms when coming in and it's simply asking what are your skills and talents that you could offer to the life of this church? Now it may be that you don't see an obvious area for you to get plugged in but your gifts might just be what is really needed in a particular area and God is actually, we are all God's workmanship, the Apostle Paul says created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. And I'd really love to encourage you that if you're wanting to grow in faith and eager to do so, 
that you find a place where you can use your gifts. And I'd love for you to put your details down on this and the skills that you could offer, that you could have. They could be very ordinary, practical things. They could be very specialised things, such as IT skills or brain surgeon, you know. Not that we practice too much of that here. Um, But you get the idea. I'd love you, um, if you want to respond with this, during the ministry time, just go to the back and in that blue box by that pillar, you will find a pen. And just come and fill this out and stick this here. And you can just do that during ministry time. But I'm also just going to invite us to stand up now as well. And um, we're going to invite... We're going to invite God's Spirit to come and minister to, her, to us and we're just going to see what he wants to do amongst us. So we just encourage us maybe just to close our eyes and to just hold out our hands. Sometimes our open posture just helps us to be uh, open spiritually, I find, as well. Just be open to the Lord and what he wants to do in us. And we're just going to invite the Spirit to come.